Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and in this episode, Winston and I decided to talk about an off-requested topic that is both inspiring and uplifting, Avatar The Last Airbender. There's so much that we can all learn from this show, and it contains many messages that I believe are truly apt for this time, so I hope you enjoy and are uplifted and inspired to action, or at least to drink some wine and binge Avatar on Netflix. A huge thank you to all of our patrons, and especially to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Allison Turi, Jacob Penfold, and Caitlin Van Horn all of whom I would travel around the world with on a sky bison. And to our master producer, Michael Beck, who is, like Sokka, the best leader. As I said last time, if you have extra money to spare these days, I would encourage you to donate to bail funds and civil and human rights organizations. But if after all that you still have a little left over and would like to help us out, head on over to patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to all kinds of bonus content. And just remember that you can head over there, and even if you can't pledge anything, I have a couple of public posts up there for free of Black-owned wineries and alcohol businesses that you can support. Which, speaking of, before we dive in, I just wanted to take a quick second to say that things are getting a little shaken up in the wine world right now, which is a very good thing. It's baby steps, but we've got people speaking up, protesting, and shaking up the racist culture of the court of master sommeliers and the wine industry as a whole. This is very good, and I will attempt to incorporate what's going on into episodes more and try to provide resources for you to check out. Without further ado, here is episode 66, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Pairing. Hello! Winston's here. It's me! We're all here. And, you know, we were talking about, or I was thinking about and talking out loud, I don't know, I can't remember, what what episode I wanted to do and or release this week. And, you know, I thought it would be nice to talk about something that is relevant because it's always relevant because it's a it's a it's a thing about doing the right thing and friendship and family and and just everything good so we're talking about avatar the last airbender um this has been an oft requested uh topic but this is we're just doing it now because and i'm i'm really i'm i'm scared to make this confession but i just watched it for the first time. So many people just canceled me. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's dumb. When no, I hear I about people who like want to experience it, okay, there's sometimes it's a red flag. Like when someone's, you know, a grown ass adult and they haven't seen Star Wars. Like, yeah, that's that's a choice. That's weird. That's a choice. You know? Yeah. That's a, and then they see it and they're like, I don't, I don't like it. It's about puppets. I'm like, you're stupid. Go away. Yeah, go but away. this is just like, I'm happy for you that you get to experience. I know. It well, time. so here, I can, I get to watch it again. I know. It was, and it's, it's really a wonderful thing. Um, I had seen Cora actually. I don't know why I did it this way, but like several years ago, I watched Cora. I don't remember what what the order of events was whether I started watching Korra because 
people told me that uh, Lin Beifong, the character in Korra, reminded them very much of, or, or rather, I should say, Minkowski on Wolf 359, the character that I played, reminded people very much of Lin Beifong. I can't remember whether that was my incentive to watch the show or if I watched the show and then this came up, but it had something to do with that. So that, I think for some reason, that was why I was, I I just, I decided to watch Korra. I don't know why I never went and watched Avatar The Last Airbender. Besides the fact that I may have been a little bit more like open to pirating things on the internet (laughs) (laughs) when I was watching Korra and I haven't done that in a really long time I mean I've never done that I'm just we're just speaking theoretically this could be a reason but like you know I found it on some streaming site or it was available on some streaming site or something but Avatar wasn't somehow Hmm. anyway it wasn't until recently when Netflix put Avatar into their rotation that I was like we're doing this. It's happening. I also think I asked for the DVD set of Avatar, like, the last four Christmases, and nobody got it for me, so. I mean, I looked. <laughs> I'm sure you did. You did. <laughs> Just like when I looked for uh, Battlestar for you. you oh, yeah, stuff. well, but yeah. you you did get Battlestar for yeah, me. Yeah, I ended up having to order it, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so let's talk about this amazing show, which is ostensibly a kid's show, but really, we all know it's for adults. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. It's just really well done and it's, fun. It's so well done. It's so fun. Um, the characters are wonderful. The messages are wonderful and often quite appropriate for, you know, the world now. Um, and, you know, especially over the past couple months. Um, with the protests and Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Avatar has oft been quoted or referenced on the internet. I'm sure it was before, too, but now that I watched it, I was like, ha, I know what that means. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's really beautiful. And, um, you know, the one thing that sort of gives me pause about it is that it's a very, shall we say, it derives influence and inspiration from many different Asian cultures. It is. It's straight up Orientalist. I mean, it is. Yes. It is a, a, a couple of white people mm-hmm. um, taking all the, the like sort of fanboy stuff they know about Asian culture and history, right. and um, and romanticizing. I mean, it's like it's like Song of Hiawatha, or you mm-hmm. know, it's like it is very white people doing their idealized version of like an asian you know su- you know pseudo fantasy pseudo Absolutely. Like historical fiction kind of thing. And I will not, I will not, uh, you know, deign to, you know, to try to, to try to excuse what they've done. All I will say is I do have many friends of Asian descent who live in Asia, who love this show. That yeah, being they did a great said, job. that being <laughs> said, that doesn't, that doesn't, yeah. but I do think, because they had a lot of consultants, especially for like the music, the design and the martial arts. 
Yeah, the martial arts are all real. That they is had true. they had a a a, 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 a real martial artist. <laughs> um, a I, I forget his name. I could look it up. Hey, so I did look it up, and the quote unquote real martial artist. What I think I meant to say was professional martial artist. Uh, that I was talking about is Sifu Kisu. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Of the Harmonious Fist Chinese Athletic Association. So so you know they did they did their homework for sure and and I think you know were were this show to be made now instead of 20 years ago or 15 years ago whenever I think they started working on it about 20 years ago it first came out about 15 years ago you know there's and there's been a lot of uh you know stuff in the media recently about white actors being cast as non-white characters and uh, a couple a couple of big profile white actor white voice actors just quit. I don't know if you saw this. Oh, but I did see that. Yeah, Jenny Slate from, Jenny, from Big, big Mouth yeah. and Kristen Bell from something she's on. Which, like, you know, I don't want to give them too much credit. Like, why were they chosen and why did they accept those roles to begin with? But I do think, like, you know, there's sort of a, a, a shift in our mindsets, which is a good thing, that uh, even in, you know, like, for example, podcasting or animation, if if the race of the character is made clear that it should be voiced by a character of that race. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I do. Yeah, I just think that there's representation, man. It yeah. matters. It matters, it matters so and much. I think that it is definitely a pro- cultural appropriation full stop. Yeah, I, I do, think you know, I think that's a that's a fair statement. And the the fact that it's like positive portrayal mostly also probably doesn't matter. It's No, I and and positively received as well. Um I think that if there is a, a, the nuance to it I think is that it is the show's ethos is, and its appeal is as broad as possible, I think. Um, yeah. So it's trying to include everybody. Yeah, and I do think I do think it does, you know, as good a job as two white guys can do. Right. A lot of white on guys... Nickelodeon too. Let's not forget. Yeah. Like, a lot of it, I think, has to do with what Nickelodeon thinks they can get away with at any given time. Sure, sure. But you know, like there is there is definitely an effort to represent different, many many different cultures within this show you know they're all loosely loosely or directly depending on which ones you know like the the water tribes are clearly based on inuit native tribes um or native peoples i should say it was interesting i was reading initially the fire nation was supposed to be very japanese based um, but then they thought that was a little too on the nose, maybe. Um, and so, so a lot. <laughs> I think a lot of that still comes through. I think actually. it does. I think it does. But the but in terms of like the design, the design, the is design more is Pan Asian. Well, it's more Chinese. Yeah. Is is what they, what, or at least what I was reading. Or, yeah, I guess um, that makes sense. Warring um, states, China, or something like that. Yeah, something. Right. Also, Fire Nation Red. And this, oh, this leads me into my first wine thing. Oh, Because nice. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, since we're talking about Asian cultures, even through the lens of, uh, you know, 
a white Western appropriation of them. So it's not awesome. Uh, but I did want to talk a little bit about wine in Asia. And China is definitely the biggest consumer and now starting to be a player in growing and production of, I should say, grape-based wine. So China is absolutely crazy for red wine. You make the connections you want to make there. But uh, but they, like, you. it's so hard for, for, like, people in America to get Bordeaux anymore because the Chinese, like, buy all of the great Bordeaux. Yeah, I, I remember seeing, it yeah. was some travel show, and I think it might have been Bourdain. Could have been. When, toward the later seasons of... Um, not no reservations, but parts unknown. Mm-hmm. He was in Shanghai, mm-hmm. and it's all about how kind of Shanghai is like, you know, the city of the future, and like it's where like so much commerce and growth is happening, yeah. becoming a world financial capital. And at one point, he hangs out with this, you know, Chinese Shanghainese billionaire, and the guy has this like, I mean, it is a labyrinth yep. of a wine cellar yeah that the dude like i didn't, like you get the sense that he doesn't even really care it's just like yeah. a, well if you're a billionaire like yeah. wine cellars are things that you well have. i mean to be fair that's a that's probably that a thing that... most billionaires have <clears throat> yeah, mo- yeah it doesn't but... necessarily underline all of chinese <laughs> wine and i think it has a lot more to do with the fact that there's more of like a middle class and a yes. professional managerial class that's now like one or two generations old mm-hmm. um and it's just a it's just this quality of life in China has risen so fast. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, and it's. I wouldn't know um, because I would. I almost got to go to. I believe it was Shanghai with uh, a with a theater company that I worked with, but we didn't end up going. Um, but I haven't. Been, I have never been to China. I haven't been to Japan. I have been to Korea. Been to South Korea. Um, amazing, amazing place. And, and the main, (laughs) if you go, if you go to Seoul, you'll find, or at least if you go to Seoul and you like me, were in your early twenties, you'll really enjoy the, uh, vending machine, uh, soju, like, (laughs) like liter bottles of soju that you can get for like the equivalent of like $2 or something, um, out of a vending machine. So I drink a lot of soju. Um, and, and, and generally speaking, you know, I mean, we've talked about sake a little bit. Generally speaking, when you talk about the history of alcohol, shall we say, and alcohol making in, um, specifically, I, I truly, I need to do more research on this. And, um, so the only, the only place that I know just like a smidge about their history is China in terms of alcohol and alcohol production. Um, and so, you know, it goes back thousands and thousands and thousands of years, you know, like 7,000 BCE, I think is like the first mention of grape wine. Um, being made or consumed in China, I can't quite remember. So it does happen, but it, it's it was much more rare until about 1980 when China sort of developed a, a viticultural practice. So China, China and Chinese wine, I have a feeling right now, you know, excluding politics and whatever um, of trade and this, that, and the other thing. But China is sort of where 
you know, again, from our very self-centered Western point of view, um, sort of where like Australia and New Zealand were wine wise in the industry, like 20 to 30 years ago, I would say. Mm. So, so give China a bit more time and I think they will become like a much bigger player on the global market in terms of wine. You know, if we ever recover from COVID and just that and the other thing. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so that's cool. And I am looking forward. I don't think I've ever tried a Chinese wine. Um, I'm, I'm really behind on my Japanese whiskey too. I know. Japanese whiskey is so good. That's winning all the whiskey awards now apparently. Oh yeah. Japanese whiskey is so good. And it's priced to match. And so it's, it's very aspirational. Yeah, it's a uh, aspirational whiskey. You know, it's 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 good stuff for sure, and they they like it. Um, anyway, we were talking about a show. Um, yeah, what we was were talking the show? about it. Well, we we're talking about a children's show, and it wouldn't be pairing if I didn't talk about you know pairing alcohol with a children's show. Well, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so you know, all that all that being said, that you know, we recognize that this is a show. That is culturally appropriative and, um, you know, and made by two white guys and we're two white people sitting here talking about it. That all being said, I think it's just a beautifully written show. And I think it really changed the it really changed the game in terms of animated shows and like action and animation. Well, I think it's, it's focused on empathy and redemption Mm -hmm. is really huge. Mm -hmm. And I think that where there are a lot of other kids shows that, that teach those values. I don't think there was one that blended like really fun and well animated. Yeah. um, Fantastical action sequences with, you know, something so focused on developing those frontal lobe traits, the empathy and everything. And I think that's why it resonates so much with um, slightly older audiences, too, mm-hmm. and with queer audiences. It's mm-hmm. like this is the kind of, you know, going through these hard, hard, you know, finding yourself years and, right. and found family is another big, yeah, big, uh, big, theme. big part of it. So it's, <laughs> it's all the kind of make your way in the world, uh, good person stuff that is sometimes lacking in our childhoods. Absolutely. Um, um, and I do think I saw I saw a meme the other day that was like, here's to all the, he may have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy's out there. Because that's the <laughs> line from, uh, that's, what's his name? Oh, it's in... Um, it's, it's Guardians, it's Guardians of, the of the Galaxy, too. Yeah. But what's his name? The bl- uh, blue, blue man. Ron, Ron, Randu, Rondu. Rondu. Yondu. The, Yondu. Yondu. There we go. We, <laughs> we got, got there. We got there together. Team, teamwork. <laughs> this is what marriage is. It's collectively <laughs> losing your memories, but then helping each other get there. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a Yondu quote, but so, and, and it has uh, Yondu and Iroh and a couple other guys on there. But yeah, but like Uncle Iroh and Zuko's oh, relationship yeah. and story in in. The whole, uh, the whole of the the show, but especially in the first couple seasons, also, is really special. He and Mako are the two Asian principal actors in it. Yes, and then Mako dies sadly. But yeah, um, I believe I believe that Mako voices Iroh through. It's like season. I think it's, it's through the end of season two. Yeah. Um. But but. 
by the time they released it, he had died. So in that really heart-wrenching episode, that's like the episodic one the where you follow. Tales of Ba Sing Se. Yeah, the Tales yeah. of Ba Sing Se. And boy. so, that's yeah, very it's very sad. And so, so that they and they dedicated that to Mako, which was very sad. Mm-hmm. And then, so I wonder. I don't. I don't know this. I don't know if you know this, but Iroh is definitely in way less of season three. And I wonder if that was intentional or yeah it might have been while they kind of processed yeah yeah or like yeah because i because i think the actor who they got to replace him was like a white dude which is unfortunate but yeah but then uh dante bosco obviously rufio 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 oh oh, we gotta do we gotta do a hook a hook episode too he's amazing also shout out to all my uh but i'm a cheerleader stands oh yeah it was like the first thing i'd seen him do since but i'm a cheerleader um and he he had gone through some issues i think at one point and so zuko was like a perfect character for him perfect perfect redemption arc and so i was thinking for a wine for zuko um, which doesn't feel too weird to pair a wine with him because he's like a teenager, so yeah. like he's probably drinking. Um, but the first thing that came to mind was rosé because people used to hate, used to shit on rosé so much, and it's kind of right. had its own little redemption arc over the past yeah. twenty years. <laughs> um, and now it now it's wonderful and great, and people people love it. Yeah. Favorite um, wine of Jessica Day. Exactly, which we've also been rewatching. <laughs> um, uh, only like how we. I feel like we measure time now. Yeah. It's not by the seasons or no. anything or like the fiscal year. It's like what <laughs> sitcom are we watching and how poorly does it age? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, that's good. That's a good one. And I'd say New Girl ages pretty well. Pretty yeah. well. In the year of the fifth Fraser rewatch, <laughs> season four, episode 17. <laughs> Yay, it was said unto them. But yes, so so I want to talk I want to talk more about the individual characters. Also, since we were talking about Iroh, since we were talking about uh, wine pairings for for characters. Um, so I do think Rose is good for Zuko. Because mm-hmm. I also think he would secretly like Rose. And I was thinking about Iroh, and at first I was like Oh, like a hot toddy or something, because he loves tea so much. But then I was like, no, Iroh likes his tea pure. He wouldn't want it, yeah. you know, defiled with alcohol. Yeah. Most I, of the martial artists are not drinking a lot. Yeah, probably not. The serious but, um, But I do think that Iroh would probably enjoy, like, a nice plum wine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very sweet. It is very sweet. And when it's one of those that, like, if you get a bad one, it's, like, really, really gross. But if you get the authentic one, I remember this was, I think plum wine was some of the first alcohol I ever tasted. Because, like, when we'd go out to Japanese restaurants, sometimes my parents would get the, would get the, like, carafe with the plums in it. Mm-hmm. And I and I might be making this up, but I do think that if the plums are still in it, like, that's a sign that uh, that it's, like, a better quality plum wine. I have no idea. Um, I'm not sure. I could be... I could be just totally making that up um but you know it's like the it's like the scorpion in the mezcal or something mm. um but i do think ira would like a nice a nice plum wine yeah or like a or like a sparkling wine or something like 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 he rarely he would rarely drink but when he does right. he's like bring me the finest champagne i'm not gonna do an uncle ira impression well that's that's appropriate because <laughs> i feel like plum wine is also a very like festival yeah centric kind of a drink. I it's think it's like, festive. What well, it is, but it's also like specifically the time you have plum wine is at during certain festivals, mm. at least in Japan. Mm. Um, 
and I didn't know that. that or that's what I was told and never bothered to verify. But okay. th- I was there and they were like, we're giving... oh yeah, during the cherry blossom festival, we drink plum wine during the fertility festival. I was like, oh, cool. Um, again, we're, we're throwing information at you without, uh, without, uh, acknowledging whether it's, well, or without fact checking, basically. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. I don't check things before yeah, I say yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I do do that. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> But so one thing I wanted to talk about, which is something you told me, Mm. but so speaking of the different, um, you know, the different, you know, earth, air, fire, water tribes and and then uh, the different bending styles of those different elements, you're the one who told me that the bending style of each element is based off of a different martial art. Yeah. and, And that I did look up on the Internet. Yes. Um, and so there are probably some nuances, but I was just off the top of my head. Um, tai Chi Quan is, yeah. is water bending. Northern mm-hmm. Shaolin, I think, is fire bending. I think or, and it's then, earth bending. Is it? No, no. Northern Shaolin is, is fire bending. That's I'm what sorry. I thought. Yeah. Those are the two I remember off the top of my head. Um, and then earth bending and air bending are both um, a little more esoteric. Yeah. Than I remember. Earth bending is hungar. Okay. Which that, I'm not familiar with. That I'm I have a little bit of familiarity with because it's featured in several Mortal Kombat. Games. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but, um, but that's it. Um, that's and all then I've heard of it from. Ba- Bagua mm-hmm. is uh, airbending, um, and then what's very cool is the Chugar Southern Praying Mantis style is specifically uh, for Toph. Because, oh, cool. Uh, because she's blind, and so they they wanted to use a like a different style. I don't I don't know about the style, but I assume that it has. That's really some, neat. Some some reason some resonance, um, and also that's a that's a big thing. Um, I think you know in the character of Toph and like represent representation of differently abled people in a in a kids show. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's also the inventor guy's son. Yeah, right? that's right. Who who's in the the, uh, like the flying, cool little the flying, flying yes. Oh, yeah. I want one of those. You know, and it it didn't. I don't think there's any explicitly queer character in the in this no, show because it was a big deal in Korra at the end of Korra. Right. Um, which, which is funny because they show yet. the straight characters making out all the time. Yeah. Th- I'm not going to spoil it for you, but this is pretty a pretty gen- generic criticism of Korra. I would say I also love Korra and I, I love its aesthetic and um, and and a lot about it. And I love the characters and all that, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, in terms of like a cohesive narrative, it has nothing on Avatar The Last Airbender. Korra's kind of sprawling. Like the first season is really good and then it gets a little, like, kind of off the rails. Yeah, although I do love um, all the crazy, like, Studio Ghibli-inspired weirdness in the second Yeah, season. yeah, the whole spirit world stuff is really cool, for sure. But, but yeah, there, they, there is, you know, the, the ending... I'm. I'm not gonna give it away. But I remember the internet fucking. Flipping yeah, out about yeah. It they the flipped. Time. They flipped out about it. And on the one hand, it was a. It was great and really important, and you know, may have partially paved the way for shows like Shira that have much more explicit queer representation. However, it didn't feel organic and earned. It felt like they were trying to do it for the sake of 
doing it um is is kind of that's at least how I felt. If you watched it and felt differently, I think that's entirely valid. Um, it just, I think Cora generally was just not quite as well written, like in a macro level, than uh, Avatar. Like individual scenes were good, but but just like the the overarching story was yeah. not quite as strong. Well, Avatar feels very much like they knew what they were going how they were going to end the show before they wrote the first episode and I'm not sure that you oh, have the same here comes completeness a with Korra. Oh, he's a little kitty. Are you a firebender queen? He's a little kitty. Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Um We've talked about this, mm-hmm. but if you were a bender, what element would you be a bender of? Earthbending, baby! You'd be an earthbending, yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. And sandbending specifically, but Ooh. also I like earthbending, metal bending, basically yeah, metal magneto. Bending. I feel like I would be an earthbender, um, but I would want to be a waterbender. Oh, yeah. I like waterbending. I, I like waterbending, too. Um, yeah. So... And Katara, we haven't talked about Katara yet. Katara's the best. Katara and Sokka are just incredible. So I will say my other, like, my only other main problem watching the show is the romance between Aang and Katara. Because, like, I get their kids. Like, I get they're both kids. But to me, I think it's because Aang is voiced by a child. <laughs> right. And, and Katara's, Katara's voiced, voiced by, by Bland. Yeah, from, yeah, from my hand. <laughs> from Arrested Development. Oh, what is her name? I think it's... May it's May something. She's great, and she's, she's also amazing. in Scott she's Pilgrim great. versus the yeah, World. Yeah, yeah, no, she and she was on that show with uh, Christina uh, Aguilera. No, Hendrix. Hendrix, yes, Hendrix and Retta from Parks and Rec. The, oh, good, good, the, good the, girls, good girls, good, or good, something like some, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, May Whitman. May Whitman. May Whitman. Um, now there which, is an Inuit name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll just make you think. <laughs> yeah. Inuit. Yep. You know, like we said, highly problematic. I will say, so So the, the guys who did this um, are also the ones who have created the Dragon Prince. And I think they have made an effort to uh, to cast, like... Yeah. racially diverse actors. I mean, obviously their... their hearts are in the right place. I think we can yes. probably agree. I think so. I think so. Like, uh, like the... much oblivious whiteness. <laughs> the road, <laughs> Only the best the road to white pr- supremacy is paved with, paved with the best intentions. Not always. But not sometimes. always, but sometimes. <laughs> in cartoons. Um, so... Did you know Whitman is not just the capital of Alaska? It's also the largest city? Well, there you go. It's I mean, not Alaska... a city in Alaska at all. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to, as I say, I've never heard of this place. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, you know, and like you said, <laughs> if this show were being made now, probably wouldn't have cast Mae Whitman. However, she does a great job. I just don't know if there are enough Asian actors in the world. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, just, I mean. <laughs> Sparsely populated Asia, famously. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> listeners, in case you can't read sarcasm over your earphones, <laughs> that I've was... been to Japan several times and I've only seen like five or six other people there. <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> I almost spilled Sauvignon Blanc all over my computer. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think all the all the um, all the voice actors do a great job. 
Um, oh, yeah. My beloved... Uh, also, they're kids. You can't ask kids right. to be like 20 years of wokeness ahead of... No, ...the no. M- currently most woke white people, I think. You know? No, no. I mean, it's... Like we said, we're learning. We're starting to do better if this show... And actually, um, I, I don't know if you knew this, but um, Netflix is making a live-action version of Avatar with the the showrunners um they're they're doing it right. not and, M Night Shyamalan and they've committed to do an all asian cast or something I believe like that. so I believe and that's, so yes that's great and it can't be worse than the M Night Shyamalan <laughs> ding dong um, I've heard that's like the worst It is one of the only made. movies I've actually walked out of yeah and like I think I was everyone's ride and it was in college and I still hated it so much I was like I'm going to go to the like play Time Crisis 2 in the fucking arcade yeah, because it's yeah. a use of my time. And, like, I love Asif Mandvi, and he's in it as yeah. General Zhao. Oh, yeah. And which, in the show, General Zhao is uh, Jason Isaacs. Oh, which is great. It's yeah. a great role for him. Yeah. And, totally, and also, I didn't know that Mark Hamill is fired yeah, on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> Both of those are just mind-melting Awesome. Thanks. I know. I know. Um, it's one of those things. Aside from aforementioned appropriate. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but exactly. our guys, exactly. you know. Yeah. Um, we're so fun in those roles. I um, know. I know. Mark Hamill. Ugh. Hero. Treasure. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I never saw the M. Night Shyamalan movie. And uh, I have no intention to because I've heard, no, it's, don't. The worst, you don't, heard it's the worst you don't movie ever that. made. But I'm so glad that I finally saw this show. And um, let us know what what element you would bend. What is that the right way to say? Yeah. What kind of bender you'd be? You know. Yeah. Um, also, we have a friend who this is this is a tangent, but I think it's worth telling. We have a good friend of yours um, growing up has a daughter who she's not quite as shy anymore, but she used to oh, be like really are you talking about Sophie. Yeah, we're talking about Sophie. Who she used to be really shy, but like the only way we could connect was talking about I think she was more into Cora or or maybe both, but she but she loved Cora, I think, because, you know, it's a girl avatar. And um but she we went to uh her her father, your friend's brother's wedding, and she was the flower girl and she was like airbending down the <laughs> aisle and and I think Brian was like so embarrassed. I was like, This is amazing. This is, <laughs> this is my favorite. I, I, can we do this at our wedding? You, you wanna repeat your reprise your role? <laughs> like Yeah, she's great. <laughs> she was great. Her form? Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. And you hey, you quote hey. me on that, Brian. No. Terrible no, form. No, he's lying. She had, Awful footwork. She had wonderful form in front of her. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Ooh, we haven't talked about... Let's pair wine with some stuff. Yeah, let's pair wine with some stuff. So I was thinking about Katara. It feels wrong to pair wine with Aang because he is a child. Maybe the, the, the style and aesthetic of that air... Benders, air oh temple, yeah, maybe? I did. I do have a list of of the air wines, nomads of wines that I think pair wine with Appa. Oh my God, Appa! Appa just like drinks <laughs> all the wine. <laughs> oh, I love Appa. Appa and Momo. Momo. Oh my God. I was gonna say Pabu, but that's no. That's, that's the fire ferret. Yeah, that's from, the fire ferret. Yeah. Um. So yes, I do have a list of the different. Uh, Elemental 
uh, peoples and and what I think and and bending styles and what I think would uh, go well with pair well with with those generally, which would what would be the wine of their region and people perhaps. But I do think um, so for water bending, I couldn't decide whether I would do a red or white for water bending, so I chose two. Um, I do think Beaujolais is a good mm. one for water bending. Um, if you're gonna go red because it's very smooth, smooth and silky and but then it can have like a bite to it um, and it can be really, really amazing. And similarly for white wine, I was thinking a Chenin Blanc because mm-hmm. those can also be like really smooth, kind of fruity and then ooh, lots of acidity on the finish. Mm. So I think that's I think that's good and I think that's also good for Katara. Yeah. She's like a good Chenin Blanc, yeah, or Beaujolais, depending on, depending on how she feels. Yeah. Um, for earth bending, um, I was thinking, you know, it's got to be something obviously earthy, flinty, flinty. So I was thinking, um, like a Cabernet Franc, mm. uh, which those can be like really earthy and dirty and funky, um, or a Syrah, alternatively, which those can be just like really chewy chewy big earthy wines um i feel like toff <laughs> toff would would and also i feel yeah. like toff would drink a syrah at you know eight years old yeah. or however old she she'd is. have one of those like greek amphorae that yeah. you can't actually set down yeah, because it has yeah. no bottom and then she'd like earth bend a bottom onto it yep, and then yep. pick it up and it'd be dope yeah and uh i love toff i know toff is, <laughs> is maybe my favorite Toph is the best. Yeah, Toph's um, the best. Also, I really love the entire Earth Kingdom part of the series mm-hmm. because it's it's you know it it does wonderful things like instill distrust of bureaucracy. Yes, and just there because there is no war in Boston, <laughs> right? Just because you're it's not the aggressor you know nation, the fire nation doesn't mean that the government still can't be bullshit. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, um, and that's and that's like a pretty complex thing yeah, to introduce with, yeah. in a kids show. I mean, the concept of secret police is a pretty complex yeah, to introduce to a kids yeah, show, and then yeah. they like make that a central part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really cool. Although I do think that the the Earth Kingdom Fire Kingdom interaction, I do see a lot more of the Japan versus China mm-hmm. thing because Japan was occupying parts of China for so long, yeah. especially Korea. Yeah. Um, I know that they're in no way at all the same thing, but you yeah. know, Korea was occupied the longest by Japan. Right. But it's like, it's easy no, for Japan, us. Japan has a history of imperialism. Yeah, and... who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? But I do think it's easy for us to forget how long the eastern part of World War II was. Like it, yeah. Because you know, for us in America, it's like little less than four years, mm-hmm. you know, slightly longer for Western Europe. It's like actually 1939, but the war between Japan and China started in 1931 wow. and lasted until 1945. Wow. And that entire time Japan was occupying most of the Manchurian, um, I forget what you'd call it, but like what is now Manchurian China. Right. Was that entire part mm-hmm. of China plus the entire Korean peninsula. Right. Right. And they occupied that at, since the, Russo-Japanese War that ended in 1905. Wow. But so, like, that 
that occupation is the closest thing we have in modern times, I think, to the hundred year war that they have right. in uh, Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I think I think that's true. And I think, you know, part of the reason why they wanted to like back off of, you know, sort of a more Japanese aesthetic for the Fire Nation is they didn't want to be too explicit right. about being like these guys are the Japanese, you know, because right. that feels like, you know, they're they're appropriative, but they're not, like, trying to be simplistic, I think. Right. Um, and so, or, or... Well, and they were also trying to tell a story about how there there is and can be good in everyone. Right. And they weren't trying to paint an entire, you know, nation... Right. ...civilization with one big, broad brush. Yes. You know, yes. so I think they're, they're very considerate in that respect of... For sure. ...allowing nuance into everything. Definitely. Um, um, well, speaking of the Fire Nation and firebending, um, I think... I think it, they've got to be a grape like Sangiovese or Tempranillo because mm-hmm. uh, they're they're obviously you know hot, red, and spicy, aggressive, aggressive, and um, and so the, those are the wines that that come to mind for 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 the Fire Nation. Nice. Um, what is a good wine mm. that is, or grape that is t- that does well at high altitude? Um, there are several. One, oddly enough, that comes to mind is Malbec, hmm. um, because Malbec is grown at high altitude a, a ton in um, in Mendoza in, in Argentina. That makes sense. Um, so that's that's a big one that comes to mind. Um, a lot of white varietals like um, Riesling. Chenin Blanc, Viognier, those all do okay at higher altitude. You know, I'm trying to think of, like, what were the good grapes in Colorado because that was a high altitude region. Um, Are you thinking for the Air Nation? Yeah. Well, so the the one that I came up for the Air Nation was Albarino. Nice. Which which is wrong because that's more of a coastal grape. It is coastal. But but in terms of, like, it's, it's... airiness and yeah. it's it's like in terms of the qualities of Albarino itself I feel like it's something that uh, airbenders would would enjoy mm-hmm. um, nice light crisp refreshing yeah you know whimsical think, whimsical but yeah I mean but they could also be be like a like a Riesling or something because mm. um, they've got that sharpness too as well to them yeah um and Aang is so sweet. Yeah, he is. He's what a so nice guy. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> what a good kid. Although he's ridiculously inconsiderate of small business owners. And <laughs> oh, that cabbage. To sell cabbage. <laughs> yeah. I do love that in um, in the first season of Coral, the rival back... company is Cabbage Corp. Yeah. <laughs> It's like and he it's finally... a statue of the guy holding yeah, his yeah. I'm really glad everything worked out for him. I know. I, I, the homages in Korra to Avatar, like now that I've watched Avatar and we, we were rewatching a little bit of Korra, are really good. They're yeah. really good. Also, Janet Varney. Janet now, Varney. That's an Asian name. <laughs> sort of Mongolian, I think. <laughs> yeah, nope. J.K. Simmons. She's... Obviously. Yeah, yeah, J.K. Simmons clearly. Well, it's funny because because uh, 
I'm forgetting his name. Tenzin. Tenzin, yeah. Tenzin. He kind of looks like J.K. Simmons. He does. Like, he looks like, like a cross between Aang and J.K. Yeah, Simmons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again. I, you know, I, I, you know we're, it's we're, a cheap and easy joke, <laughs> and I'm cheap and easy. <laughs> two, two of the top words I use to describe you. <laughs> Um, I don't mean like I'm stingy or or I'm uh, cheap with money. I mean like I cost very little <laughs> yeah, it, because I am cheap. His dowry was like nothing. I <laughs> yeah, like not even a whole goat. Not even a whole goat. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! But yeah, so so that's what I've got for the for the general nations and firebending or firebending. I don't know why. I specifically said firebending, 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 wine bending. Hey, <laughs> oh my God, yes, I want to be a wine bender. <laughs> that is one. I, I, the, I the blood bending is really fucking creepy. Super creepy. I do love that nuance that like the bending has no inherent value. It's just like what yeah. people do with it. Yeah. Um, and so I like how the different, you know, magical styles have a lot to do with how you know, characters interact with them and stuff. Yeah. Um, this I love all the like the variants. I love the swamp benders. Oh yeah, um, the swamp benders. Are but great. if I could add like a bending, it would be like I don't know. I guess it's kind of water bending is closer, but like plant bending, like life bending. You I think know, that's more earth bending. Is it? Okay. I would think that's well. Maybe it's somewhere because I'm thinking the like two. the vines and everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, a, like some kind of mixture of poison ivy and and uh, and a druid. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess we don't really see, like... Uh, or bending, or, I think, is kind of the closest. Yeah, but we don't see we don't see bending out. of organic matter. We see bending of inorganic matter. Right, and, with, and energy. And energy. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. But I guess that's uh, the closest I would get is, is, is somewhere in earth bending. Somewhere hmm. between earth and water. Yeah. But yeah, I think I should be a wine bender. I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. What have? Oh, we, we got to talk about Sokka because he's the resident. Sokka. He's the resident non-bending character. Um, His art also great. Also wonderful. I also saw something on the internet the other day because, like, I was talking about how I had like how like the Ang Katara. You know, I mean, even though it's like a childhood romance, like it's not like skeevy. I still, I still feel like. Yeah, but like every time there would yeah. be a pseudo romantic scene between them, you'd be like, "He's eight. He's eight years old." <laughs> but so, so I was saying while we were watching it, I was like, "I ship," in my heteronormative ways. I was like, "I ship uh, Katara and Zuko," right. and they do have they do have a fun, you know, kind of antagonism that works really well. But I saw I saw a meme the other day on the internet that was like the real ship is Zuko and Sokka. And I was like, yes, oh, that's so much better. They're perfect for each other. I know I can see them, like, attending other people's weddings. Totally. <laughs> Power couple. Um, <laughs> but, because, um, yeah, because, like, Zuko starts dating one of his sister's friends. It's May. I think her name, name is right? May, yeah. It's May and, and Ty Lee is the I acrobat think, one. Yeah, yeah. I love them. I love them. They're really fun. They're really fun. The sister, whose name I can't remember right now. Oh, yeah. Very, very, I mean, she in a way is kind of the most, like, stereotypical 
typical villain besides yeah. her dad, but um, but but they do develop her character more. Yeah. In, uh, in the third season, although it's funny because they're like. We're humanizing her. We're humanizing her. And just kidding. She's a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they yeah. have that weird, um, like high school. Yeah. Like, like the high school. Teen break episode. Yeah. Spring break episode. <laughs> yeah. Where it's Zuko, May, Ty Lee, and their sister. Yeah. Yeah. Is. Yeah. And, the, and, and that's the most like anime episode of the show. Because yeah. it's like they're all in bikinis and like going to high school parties. Right. And weird shit. I got to look up what her name is. <laughs> <laughs> sister's character. But then the last few episodes of the show, it's like, oh yeah, she's a, she's a psychopath. Yeah. Well, and you could say maybe, maybe like having a relationship with Zuko was helping her, you know, get into blah, 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 blah. But then when he, you know, right. embraces his full redemption. Yeah. And they just have her go like Daenerys speed crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but unlike Daenerys, they kind of did lay the groundwork for right. for her evil crazy. Yeah, well, she starts evil. She she ends evil. Crazy. Yeah. Um, Azula. 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 That's Azula, right. That's her name. Zuko and Azula. Zuko yeah. and Azula. That's right. Um. So so yeah. So let's see. What didn't we touch on? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think we. I think we. Hammered, hammered in, uh, you know, we recognize that. This is, we feel very badly yes. about all the waiting yes. that's gone on. Yes, we do. Um, however, I do think, oh, you know, I want to end on, I was watching this, I forget whenever we were finishing it a few weeks ago, but is it, it's Kiyoshi who's the... Yeah, is the, the she's the, the Earth Avatar. Yeah, so she's she's not... The previous Avatar, she's the previous, previous Avatar. She, yeah, she's before Avatar Aang is Kiyoshi. I forget what No, the... before before Avatar Aang is Roku. Oh, Aang is... Av- sorry, before Avatar Roku. That's yes. what I meant. And then so... I forget the name of the water Avatar. Yeah, I don't who... remember. He appears but at there's, one point. There's a scene in one of the last episodes where Aang is getting in touch with his previous Avatar selves. And Kiyoshi literally says... There can be no peace without justice. Yeah. And I was watching that and I was like, that's fucking right, Kiyoshi. No justice, no peace. Avatar knows it. Yeah. We know it. Go get him. Go get him. Embrace your found family. And, you know, redemption is possible. If if you haven't been perfect in your views your whole life, none of us have. Um, and you can make it better. And I think that's that's the... And you know, and, and always keep trying. And uh, I think that's the yeah. I think that's the 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 message to take from this this little kid show. Yeah. yeah. Well, cheers. Cheers. Be well. Ding ding. <laughs> Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, 
where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.